Welcome back to the Namra Podcast. Today, I'm here with my good friend, Bill Koch. He is a sports writer for the Providence Journal, and we're going to be talking about NIL deals for college athletes. Stick around. It's going to be a great episode. BK. Can I call you BK on this? Or Bill, Bill Koch? Only if I can call you Cash. All right, deal. That sounds good. Done. That sounds good. So uh, You can call me whatever you want. <laughs> BK and I have known each other for a, a long time. Long time. Um, and this is the first time we ever thought of collaborating on something because our world just never intersected. And now the marketing world and the sports world is very much so doing that. Yeah, in, in a very interesting way, um, you know, specific to Rhode Island, obviously, we don't have pro teams per se, yeah. not at the highest level. Uh, but we do have high-profile college teams. And, you know, now with the landscape of college sports changing so much business-wise, we have some things to talk about Yeah, professionally. Now, to to kind of lay some groundwork for those people out there who don't know what an NIL is, uh, name, image, likeness. Can you kind of go into that and explain what that is, what that means, and how that's being used? If you're going to make it very simple, it's just an athlete's ability to profit off who they are. Um, you know, and if you look at college sports, uh, you're not really paid a salary. Um, you know, you're not necessarily able to sign a contract. Uh, your scholarship is a binding agreement, but it does not guarantee income. Um, so your name, image, and likeness is quite simply what you can make off of being you. Um, you know, if you are a, a wildly successful and famous athlete at Alabama or USC or Oklahoma, you have value beyond your scholarship, beyond your Pell Grants, beyond what you are given by the athletic department. So name, image, and likeness is what you can make outside of those guaranteed benefits. Yeah, and that's something that we've all seen. So from the people on the outside, that like some of the biggest ones that come to mind, Reggie Bush losing his Heisman because he was supposedly getting money. There's mm-hmm. a million pay-for-play scandals that have happened in the NCAA over the years, right. whether or not, whichever side you're on, whether you think it's right, wrong. Um, so w- the rules before were you, player can't profit. Their scholarship is the only thing that they can pr- profit on. And other than maybe running athletic camps in the summer, was there anything else that they could do or was it a hard stop right there? Uh, you got, you got Pell grants, which were largely financial aid based. Um, you know, and most athletes, if you qualify for Pell grant, you, you are in serious financial trouble at home. Yeah. Uh, most of that money is going directly home. Um, Olympic athletes could profit outside of competition. They could sign endorsement deals, um, you know, but they could not use their schools mm-hmm. in promoting that. Uh, they were using themselves, you know, someone like Michael Phelps or Katie Ledecky. Uh, you know, Michael Phelps was not a college athlete. Katie Ledecky was, um, you know, someone like... Uh, so she could, and she could profit on the Olympic sponsorships and then go back and compete in NCAA? She could compete in the NCAA. Um, you know, someone like Elizabeth Beisel, yep. who, who's here Love from that. Rhode Island, uh, you know, swam at Florida after she was on her first Olympic team and in the middle of her second Olympic team. She could sign with Speedo, yeah. with Nike, with Gatorade, um, you know, and make money on that. But she could not use Florida Gators yeah. to promote those deals. She could not represent herself as a Florida athlete. She was a Team USA athlete. Yeah, and one of the, I think, one of the main things that I always looked at and what actually made me look into this, like, years ago, and I was like, why is it that on all of the NCAA games, like, they don't use the players' names? So if you have, like, right. like my favorite game growing up was, like, NCAA 2005 baseball. Yeah. And you have the numbers, you have, the, you know exactly who the players are, but we can't use their names, we can just use the numbers. So that's kind of changed now. 
that that's basically at the root of all this. Yeah. Uh, there's a player at UCLA, basketball player in the 90s named Ed O'Bannon, uh, who ended up being a lottery pick, I think, by the Nets. Um, Ed O'Bannon noticed that on an NCAA video game, there was a UCLA number 31 who was 6'9 and left-handed and happened to have similar skill sets to Ed O'Bannon. Uh, and he said, wait a minute, this video game company is using my likeness yeah. for its game to profit. I think that I am entitled to, I deserve, I have earned a share of those profits. Results in a series of lawsuits that last for decades and ultimately land us where we are now. Yeah, and so when this ruling came out um, very recently, this year, and basically said players can now yeah. benefit from their NIL name, image, and likeness. <clears throat> so what what does that mean? Like, what, what's going on right now in the landscape? How are players benefiting from this? How are they monetizing this? <laughs> it's interesting yeah. because right now the, the, the rules are very fluid. Uh, yeah. You know, it's not necessarily, I think, what they intended. Um, you know, they've sort of let... They've opened Pandora's box here. Absolutely. And whenever you change something or open that kind of box, it goes through, like, at first, it runs wild. Right now, we're in, like, the wild, wild west yes. where everything goes. And I'm sure we're going to start seeing it constrict in the future. But, like, what, what are some of those examples of crazy stuff going on right now? I mean, constantly the word you hear is guardrails. We need yeah. some guardrails on this. We need some limits on this. Um, you know, but you're talking straight pay for play now. Uh, yep. Schools are forming collectives, which donors give money to and then the schools or that collective distribute to the athletes based on what they think they're worth. Yeah. Um, you know, you, you'll hear recruiting inducements is another you know, term that's thrown around quite loosely. <laughs> we're making up words. you got to make we're, up words. We're just making things up. Yeah. Uh, you know, are we going to cut a high school senior a check for 500000 to come here? 40 years ago, that got SMU the death penalty. Yeah. You know, now... You're looking at it as oh, we have an advantage. We have donors. They yeah. will do this. You know, come here and you can get paid. Yeah. Um, you know, so what this all comes from, though, Cash, is the fact that the NCAA just punted this down the road, down the road, down the road. Uh, they clung to this notion of amateurism mm -hmm. when, in fact, college sports over the last 34 years has transformed into such huge business. business. And the fact that they had deficient leadership from Mark Emmert, who's the president of the NCAA, the fact that university presidents did not want to deal with this, yeah. um, you know, that athletic departments, quite frankly, aren't capable of dealing with this. It's too much for them to legislate. Yeah. That lack of leadership coupled with the explosion uh, of cash yep. in college sports uh, has led us to a point where it is pretty unregulated and, and pretty wild out there right now. Yeah, it, it seems to me that there is got to be a common sense way to regulate this. And they didn't want to just accept what is true, which is these players are worth more than a $150,000 scholarship Correct. for education that they might never use. That's right. It's just, it was they wanted to, they were in denial of that and they refused to ever like, cross that bridge or talk about it. And now that's leading them into the position where uh, I have no idea how this is going to affect competition from the highest levels, because there are a lot of schools out there that definitely cannot afford to write a check for 500 grand to a college senior or a college freshman. No, certainly not. And, and you wouldn't necessarily have the donor base at some places uh, that is as rich yeah. as some other schools. Um, you know, you also, you couple that with the transfer portal now being what it is, the fact that, that athletes can leave a school for another school without sitting out a year, Yep. that your eligibility is immediate. Um, you know, you could be a superstar at a small school. Yep. Uh, you know, someone like a Steph Curry mm -hmm. who played at Davidson, who played in the Elite Eight of the NCAA tournament, 
and then went back to school for another year instead of going to the NBA draft. Uh, how much would North Carolina have paid for have that? paid Steph Curry you for his next year? There, you'll never see another returning senior or something like that who has a great year go back to a small school. It would just they'd be punting on thousands and thousands of dollars, right? You, you transfer. Yeah. Um, you know, also, if you're Steph Curry at that point, you could have signed with Gatorade yeah. while you were in college. That's true, too. You could have signed with Nike yeah. while you were in college. If you were Zion Williamson playing at Duke, his one year at Duke, because the NBA uh, doesn't allow you know, direct entry yeah. from high school into the NBA draft anymore. They're revisiting that right now. Yeah. But once they instituted the, the one-and-done rule, the so-called yeah. one-and-done rule, where you need to do one year of college and then come out, how much would Zion Williamson have gotten paid you know, by Nike yeah. before he even went to Duke. He ended up signing with them anyway. Yeah. Um, but he, if you look at him in the current landscape of college sports, he missed out on a year of getting paid, yeah. of being able to market himself, of being able to maximize what his return could have been. Now, he ultimately got paid. Yeah. Um, you know, and there are questions about his recruiting and whether or not he <laughs> paid illegally yeah, exactly. and, and whatever else. But, you know, someone like Steph Curry, Tim Tebow at Florida, mm -hmm. Johnny Manziel at Texas A&M, yeah. um, you know, these were huge, huge names while they were still in school. And, and the argument is that now with NIL that they should be able to profit from that. Yeah. And now so that. That brings me to my next question of where do you see this going? And like, I, I see different streams of revenue for these kids. And you brought up a really good point. Uh, you know, Steph Curry goes back to Davidson. He could have signed with Gatorade and made a boatload of money. And then maybe, I, I don't know, are they going to cap how much schools can pay these players? But because they can be getting paid from everybody, from yeah. the school, from the sponsorships, just like professional athletes. So where do you see the bulk of that money coming from? And what do you think some maybe... I guess, guidelines or common sense regulations could be down the road. Well, it is still a business decision. Like, you, you look at someone like Spencer Rattler, who was a quarterback at Oklahoma, who started last year. Uh, you know, he signed deals anywhere between 800000 and a million dollars going into last season at Oklahoma. Yeah. He ended up on the bench midway through the year. Caleb Williams ended up starting uh, and followed Lincoln Riley to USC uh, when Oklahoma's coach took the job with the Trojans. Yeah. Caleb Williams took advantage of the transfer portal not having to sit out and followed his coach to USC. Um, but if you were a local business in Norman, Oklahoma, if you were a car dealership or, you know, barbecue place or whatever else, and you cut a check to Spencer Rattler, that was money wasted. Yeah. He did not play. No. He did not win the Heisman. Yeah. He was not the breakout star that you thought he would be. Um, you know, if he's wearing Cash's barbecue pit in, in, in some press conference, yeah. that didn't hit the way it would have, yeah. uh, you know, if he was in New York for the Heisman ceremony. So there is some risk in terms of businesses in that way. And I think, you know, more so when we look at NIL for college athletes, you're looking at local places, yeah. small places, small towns in the SEC, the ACC, the Big Ten that don't necessarily have pro sports. Yep. pro market like we do yep. here in the Northeast. You're looking at places where you can be a huge star on a college campus. Um, you're also looking at someone who's a fringe pro prospect, but yep. who might be a great college player. Yeah. Uh, someone like Oscar Shibway at Kentucky, who's a mm. terrific basketball player, um, you know, could be the player of the year this year in college basketball. Explored the draft process a little bit. He's not necessarily an NBA player in yep. terms of his game style. But in college, he is wildly successful. And he'll get paid. 
And he'll get paid at Kentucky. Which he'll get paid in Lexington. For me, I have a hard time seeing anything wrong with that. I agree. I mean, these he's making do, money off being Oscar Sheepway. On exactly, and then think about how much money. So, and I think if you make money based on who you are, you deserve it. Absolutely. And, and the other side is how much money am I bringing to this program? Oh. I deserve a I deserve a cut of that. No question. Right? It's just common sense. No question. Do you see any regulations coming down the pipe, or what? Do you, do they have any pro, like proposals out, or any common sense things that they've seen so far? The the most big picture thing that you hear sometimes is that the athletes should unionize. Yeah. Um, you know, and that they should. Uh, you know, make some sort of formal attempt to secure a share of media revenue, yep. whether it's uh, broadcast rights, streaming rights, uh, you know, any sort of digital rights. Yep. Um, you know, whether or not you want to do that and, and be that formal, that introduces another set of complications. Yep. Um, you know, it's also really NIL being what it is. It's a very individual pursuit. Mm-hmm. The 13th player on the bench of a college basketball team, the 13th scholarship uh, male or female player on a college basketball team, they're not the ones who are going to break the bank. No. Um, you know, they're not the ones who are going to get paid. It's generally the stars. Yep. Um, and this is designed for the stars. And, and college sports markets its stars. That's yeah. what they do. Um, you know, in some cases, the NCAA tournament, some of the individual football bowls, yeah. uh, that's the star in itself. It doesn't matter who's playing in them. Yep. Um, you know, the College World Series, it doesn't matter who plays in the College World Series. The Women's Softball College World Series, it doesn't matter who plays in that. It's usually those one or two big names. It's that the event. Every, yeah, it's it's the, the event. Yeah. The event will draw. The exactly. event will take care of itself. But sometimes you have a transcendent star like a Tebow, like a Manziel. Who can carry a team to that big event or whatever. But yeah. Carry a team, carry a university, carry yeah. a conference. Totally. Um, you know, so that's generally more who I think once they get their arms around this as a whole big picture view, I think that's the person they're going to look to cater to most. Yeah, that makes sense because that's who, the person who has the largest vested interest. Um, so as far as like the granular stuff goes, when we talk about what these kids are signing for, what they're signing away, mm-hmm. um, what what does does this NIL encompass? I mean, could it be anything from like if you sign with a school – are you signing up to do Snapchat takeovers for a whole yeah. year? Like, what are the responsibilities? Like, what are these kids signing on to? Because a lot of times I look at, okay, they're going to get paid right now, but damn, these companies and these schools are going to make sure they get their money's worth wherever they can. I think it's like anything else. I think it's a personal services contract. You know, if you sign a contract with Nike, what are you signing for? You know, you have to wear their gear. Yep. Uh, you know, you're probably obligated to two or three photo shoots a year. Yeah. Uh, you know, you might be obligated to do a couple appearances a year, um, you know, sign autographs at a certain mm-hmm. place. Uh, you know, maybe if the CEO has like a business after hours or a retreat, you have to go to that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's very much a personal services contract. Uh, you know, so if you're in Rhode Island and you play for Providence and, you know, you sign with Murphy's, yeah. which is right across the street from the Dunkin' Donuts Center. You know, you might sign a deal with Murphy's that says, all right, you get a free tab here and, you know, we're going to give you X thousand a year yeah. uh, and you have to eat here once a month. I can. Uh, you know, or we're going to have this event on a Thursday night and you have to be here for that three times a year. Yeah. Um, you know, I think it can be very individual. Those can be very specific yeah. in that way. Um, you know, but it is very much a personal services type, yeah. promotional type arrangement that you would enter into well we see it so we deal with like um micro influencers or social media influencers all the time you might have 10 15,000 people 
on your social media accounts that follow you. But yep. if they're all super local, that's actually very valuable yes. to a business. So I could definitely see, I think I think this is a, a really good part of this where Tom and Joe's deli down the street in Providence can, you know, have the power forward for the Providence College friars go in there and be like, I'll give you a thousand bucks if you post on, or if you like take a pic, take 10 pictures with us and we mm-hmm. post it once a week. And it's like, who, everyone wins there. You know, he puts it out on his social media, drums up business for, for them. And also he's getting petty. He's getting cash. That's like five grand to a kid in college. Jesus, that's awesome. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I don't care what they were making before. It's, it's a, it's a good example, um, you know, and it's a relevant example. If you look back at next last year, Nate Watson, yeah. who's a center for Providence, he had a million followers on TikTok. Um, any sort of marketing social media site that you go to suggests that Nate Watson could charge anywhere between a thousand to five thousand yep. per post on his TikTok. Um, you know, so Nate Watson could go to the Abbey, he could go to the Sal Bakery, he yep. could go to any small business around Providence and say, "Hey." I'm Nate Watson. They know who he is. Yeah. And he could say, I'd like to post, you know, I'd like, I'd like to enter into a, a personal services contract with you. Yeah. You pay me 2500 a post. I'll do it once a month, twice a month if you want. You give me free product and cut me a check. And I, we good? Wa- I wonder, like that, exactly. And I wonder if the NCAA relaxed on things like that earlier so that they could have eased into this. I mean, Christ, who, everyone wins in that situation. Yes. And if they maybe capped it and said, okay, you can, like you said, enter into professional service agreements with companies for under X amount or whatever it is. You, you yes. draw a, a petty line somewhere, but it has to be drawn. And then you could have eased into this because that would have, I think, a lot of kids would have been happy with just having that. You know, they, that would have been a win. They were just so stuck in their ways clinging to amateurism this is this archaic scared of precedent sort of notion that you know there were tv deals cut in the 60s that weren't worth any real money yeah um you know they weren't just they weren't acknowledging the reality of the current financial landscape in college sports uh, and they were greedy yeah quite frankly Definitely. um you know they were greedy they were afraid of change um you know now they're afraid of being sued by everyone left right and center they don't want to make a ruling because they know they're going to end up in court yep. and they don't want to be there uh, and largely that's because they don't have a leg to stand on. Exactly. They've, they've got free labor. They've yeah. had it for generations. Um, you know, and they don't really know how to square that yeah. a, at this point. Uh, so they're paralyzed, really. They're paralyzed by fear. And, and they're paralyzed by lack of vision. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think you're right. I, I think if you would just go on to athletes and said, look, we'll make you the same deal that the Olympians get. You can sign with whoever you want. Yep. You can promote a small business. You could promote. Nike, if you want, mm-hmm. don't care. Make your cash; it's okay. You're still eligible. Yeah. But instead, they held it off and held it off and held it off, and now it, the dam has burst. burst. We have this explosion of NIL and what it <laughs> and its subsidiaries, yeah. these collectives, and you know, quite honestly, just some pay for play. Yeah. On and, the side, and and it really actually set. It's I think it's going to be dangerous for a lot of these players because they're going to be entering into big money contracts and putting themselves in a position where they're potentially liable. So it's what happens when a kid signs a deal with Nike and then gets caught doing something stupid on the weekend? Is he liable to be sued for defamation of some sort? It's like what happens then? And has he spent all that money already? Correct. Has he been paid X dollars? He or she been paid X dollars? Yeah spent it all up front, not fulfilled the terms of the contract, and then they get sued. Yep. Do they forget to pay taxes? Yep. 
A lot of these schools are working with business advisors. They are sitting athletes down with business these advisors. Kids need resources. They're reminding them, hey, look, if you sign an NIL deal with somebody, take taxes out. Yeah. Or put tax money to the side because you will have to pay it on April 15th. Yeah. If you signed a deal for a million dollars, you do not have $1 million. You do not. You got quite a bit of money for the government. Correct. <laughs> yeah. 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 You, you've got about 550000 <laughs> Yep. Uh, you know, give or take. The other four fifty is going to somebody else. Yeah, and you can look up a million different stories, like the TV show The Broke and all this. And I know Shaq's done some really cool things where he talked about, like, what he did with his first signing bonus. Yes. And it's scary what happens. Uh, I mean, it's it's difficult. You uh, you know, there was that, uh, that 30 for 30 doc on ESPN years ago that said something like 79% of athletes go broke within five years of their career ending. Yeah. Uh, because you're spending to a certain level and you're just not saving. Uh, and you just continue to spend and spend and spend like that money is going to continue to come in. Yeah. And there's a scary number out there about that. And I, I don't want to treat this as if it is a lottery ticket, but lottery ticket winners, people who hit the big bucks. Yeah. Almost all of them lose it all. Yeah, it's because difficult. money is not that easy to manage, especially no. at a high level. No, it's not. It goes it goes quick. Well, that's why when when you win the lottery, you know, whenever we get to one of these like five or six hundred million dollar jackpots, the story you read online is what you should do immediately, yeah. and it's attorney, financial advisor, attorney, financial advisor, accountant. Yep. Smash your cell phone, throw it in a pool, yep. drop out of sight for two months, and live on credit cards. Yeah. And then have your lawyer go claim the award, funnel it into a couple accounts, and then you start reestablishing contact with <laughs> the family and friends you actually want to know. Yeah, <laughs> Otherwise, yeah. you are out. Oh, yeah. Um, you know, but you could run into some, and, and schools have been, and Providence, you know, specifically in this market has been pretty diligent about getting their kids to sit down with financial advisors who are brought in by the school, having a seminar. Um, you know, team by team with a financial advisor and saying, look, if you do sign an NIL deal, even if it's for $1,000, um, you know, this is what you should be looking to do with it. Yeah. If you want to keep most of it for tax purposes, um, you know, your obligations, what you should read in a contract mm -hmm. in this, if yeah. you do sign something formal, um, you know, just to protect them yep. in a way. Because for a lot of them, it's the first time that they're entering into this sort of an arrangement with anybody. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so let, let's talk a little bit local. So what is going on with PC? What are we seeing from these guys? Are, are there a lot of, is there a lot of money getting thrown around for some of the big players? Um, how, how's it affecting these kids locally? You know, so Providence had, uh, they had a release on Thursday that, is, that established their Friar Family Collective. Okay. Um, you know, which just about every SEC, ACC, Pac-12 school would have now. And like you mentioned before, a collective is essentially just a big pool of money. It's a big pool of money that donors throw into. Um, you know, and if a player decides he or she is, is worth a certain amount, um, you know, or is performing to a certain level, uh, a coach can go to the collective and say, I need a check. I need a disbursement. I, I need a disbursement. <laughs> yes. Uh, and the collective will come through yeah. in, in that way. Um, you know, or. So would this be for incoming freshmen or let's, this guy is a stud. Let's try to pay him so he doesn't leave. Depends on how they want to apply it. Yeah. Uh, there's no ban. It's. You know, and, it, and it, it does get back to the, the true intent of NIL. Are they worth it? Yep. Uh, you know, last year when Providence got into the NCAA tournament and then got into the Sweet 16, I, I know their players were being approached uh, and several announced uh, deals on social media 
Uh, I think Al Durham had a had a wing deal with somebody. Yeah. Uh, Noah Horkler got approached by Manscaped, yeah. you know, because he had the hair going and the beard and everything. Uh, Nate Watson had, uh, you know, I think he had um, he had some sort of underwear deal with a with a Jay Z line. Yeah. Uh, you know, had a couple of his own other personal things going on. Um, you know, so the higher your profile, the more you're going to be worth. They're they're not necessarily like if you're the twelfth player yeah. on Providence bench, you can't go to the collective and say, hey, I want 10 grand or I'm going to leave. <laughs> yeah, like, All right, yeah, go. Smell <laughs> we don't care. Yeah. Um, you know, but if you're the best player on the team and you say, I want 100000 or I'm going to Kentucky, that's probably what the collective is designed <laughs> the, to do. The collective will make the disbursement. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Or at least attempt to. Yeah. And now how are they, so how are they pooling these kind of funds? Is it just put going into a savings? Like, do you know any of the details on that, how they're doing it? Is it crowdfunding basically, or? I don't business-wise that that's way over my head. Um, you know, what I assume is, is that they are, they're pumping their usual donors yeah. uh, and asking for funds to go into the collective yep. that will go directly to the student athletes. Um, you know, and I would assume that, that, you know, much like any athletic director has, it's a short list of people that you can call if you really need it. Yeah. Um, you know, like if you want to fire the coach and you have to pay a buyout. Yeah. Uh, you know, and let's say the buyout's $5 million. Mm -hmm. Every athletic director has a short list of people in the desk drawer yeah. who they call and say, hey, I'm thinking about firing the coach. Can you write me a check? Yeah. Yes, I can. You're right. You should fire the coach. Yes. Here. Here's the buyout money. Yeah. Um, the collective will be no different. Uh, you know, and, and it's going to be constant work by those people, you know, no different than what your development department does at a major university yep. uh, or in a major business. They will be out soliciting funds. Uh, they will be having events, uh, you know, with access to coaches, to student athletes. Uh, you know, you will have for the Fryer Family Collective, you'll have an event where Ed Cooley's there yeah. for three or four hours. And if you donate... You know, $1,000 to get into the event, you can have Ed Cooley for three or four hours. Yeah. Uh, you know, if you you donate, you know, 500 to the event, you can meet Jared Bynum for yeah. two hours. He'll come to one of the events. Yeah. Uh, you know, you can meet Janae Crooms, who, who is from Cranston, who's a point guard on the women's basketball team. And you can have her for two or three hours. Um, you know, so it's, it's going to be like anything else. It's going to be, you know, we're going to market our coaches. We're going to market our players. And, and we're going to give folks who donate. Yeah more direct access to them than the average fan would have. Yeah. And that responsibility again falls on the players and they'll meet it because they're the ones getting paid. That's right. Um, I'm excited to see where this goes because I think it could get really cool from a marketing side of things and the sales side of things, because um, there's how many times have there been like basically sweepstakes for these top flight, like college athletes. Right. And it's a big media day about wh which hat they choose and things like that. Right. But these guys now can essentially, put together, I could imagine them putting together like a fundraiser or a GoFundMe for let's get this kid to Providence. Right. Because I, and there's things that you could do with cryptocurrency or just regular cash. But I, I was talking to someone on a podcast a few weeks ago where they put together a collective of people who put in a certain amount of cryptocurrency into a fund and they tried buying, I think it was like the Bill of Rights, the original Bill of Rights oh, to wow. hold on to it as an asset together. Okay. And so. You put in whatever you want, it gets, that money gets staked. And then if you get it, you all have that d direct proportion of how much you paid for it. That's how much you own. And if you don't win it, you get the exact same portion back. So right. I could see them doing something like that for this, where it's like, hey, you a Friars fan? Here you go. Here's your opportunity. Put your money where your mouth is. So recruiting wise, I, I got a solicitation in my email uh, 
couple weeks ago that, that I had never seen before. Uh, you know, it was for a player out of California. I'll, I'll hold his name. Okay. Um, you know, player out of California who had Providence on his final list. Uh, and it was a solicitation from uh, a marketing firm that was selling NFTs yep. uh, on behalf of said player. Uh, and they were, <laughs> they, they were saying that the player would in part decide where he would commit based on the number of NFTs <laughs> sold per school. Exactly. Uh, oh and that God. the money spent on the NFTs of the school that he committed to would go to him. The money spent on NFTs for the other schools would be put into a general fund and you would receive a credit for that marketing firm yep. that you could spend on something else Exactly. with that marketing firm. I mean... I had never seen something like that before. Really? I thought it was incredibly creative, even though I couldn't necessarily explain the nuts and bolts of it. You, you'd be a lot more expert on this yeah. than me. I don't really see huge value in NFTs because I'm a dinosaur. Yeah, um, which is okay. You know, but it was fascinating to me that they could conceptualize this and that they were so aggressive with it okay. in, in this way. And I'm sure you'd have more to say about that. Yeah, so the, the interesting thing is, uh, first off, I can only imagine what percentage this kid ends up with because everyone's getting a cut of that money, unfortunately. The people who sent you that email are getting a cut. The, I mean, I can't imagine. I know a decent amount of NFTs about the NFT space. I mean, are they going to be paying through credit card to buy cryptocurrency and then convert? Like, I don't know how they're handling the processing on this thing. Right. So I'm just really interested in seeing how that goes. Um, did, did this thing go live yet? Like the actual fundraiser itself? It was, was live. To, it was live. It was live as soon as I sent the email oh out. It was God. live. That's so funny. It was live. And, and the kid actually ended up committing to, to a school uh, this week that was not Providence. Right. Uh, but it was, um, yeah, it was live for at least a couple weeks. I mean, that's just going to, if that works well for him, that'll end up being standard operating procedure for everyone down yeah. the road. Um, what did the, the final number come in? How much he got? I don't know. No? I, I didn't look. I got to check that out. I didn't look. I don't know. But I, I was just fascinated at, at, at just how creative it was. It's not something I ever would have thought of doing. I, I guess you know, it is so new, I think, in, in so many ways that you know, there are different avenues that, that very creative marketing and development people are going to take that, that a lot of us haven't even thought of yet. So have you ever heard of NBA Top Shot? Uh, no. Okay, Can't so say. NBA Top Shot is the NBA, basically, I think they collaborate with Tops. I'm not sure who makes the NBA cards. I forget which company. Yeah, it used to be Fleer, but it, it's probably Tops now. Tops. I think they bought everyone out. Yeah, so what they do is they actually sell NFTs yep. in their just highlight reels. So, like, um, you know, you remember when, like, LeBron James junked, uh, dunked over uh, Terry in the, like, playoffs against the Celtics? Sure. So, so, okay, big moment like that. They take that one moment, that one highlight, turn it into an NFT, and then you can buy it. Okay. Okay, and players profit off it equally. So right. I'm thinking that these college kids are going to be able to do the same thing right. with that down the road. But I don't know how that would work with media rights and things like that. Is there any talk about how these players are going to split media rights with schools, that sort of thing? So I don't – that was more along the lines of if they unionize. Mm -hmm. If they unionize, are they going to be entitled to a certain media share, a certain revenue share of ticketing, yeah. uh, you know, of advertising, uh, you know, local dollars? Yeah. Um, you know, this wasn't necessarily individualistic. Mm -hmm. uh, but I, I, think, I think if you look at media rights being what they are, 
I think that's where the thrust for this came from. In the 60s, you wouldn't have had, 60s or 70s, you wouldn't have had this huge clamoring for athletes being paid what they're worth. Nobody was on TV. It was Notre Dame, USC, and, you know, maybe Nebraska. Yeah. Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, otherwise... Well, they didn't have as much fan affair. There was no social media for these kids to be. No social media, Mm -hmm. uh, no cable. Yeah. um, You know, no streaming, obviously. Um, you, you didn't hold a personal computer in your hand yeah. every day with a, with a smartphone. Um, you know, so there wasn't necessarily anywhere near the avenues for, for players to get paid and market themselves. Uh, you know, now you look at within the last month, the Big Ten signed a $7 billion yeah. media rights, broadcast, digital, uh, multimedia package. $7 billion with a B. Um, so you look at those schools and, and what they're going to be paid they're being paid that based on the athletes. Yeah, It's not based on the fact they're Michigan. It's based on who's playing football for Michigan and that they're in the top five. Yeah. So if you're an athlete at this point, as opposed to 50 years ago, you're looking and saying, look at the revenue I'm generating for the school. I, I need, need some of that. Of that. Yeah. I deserve a cut of that. That's right. While I'm here. Yeah. And um, uh, to, go back, to go back to your last point real quick, there is a, a really cool stat. Uh, I'll make up something else, but and we can look it up later. But the average person in like 2022 on social media, say you have 1,500 followers, if you have 2,000 followers, you basically had as much influence, and you people saw you as much as like a 1920s like the top flight celebrity or star because okay. of the way media is dispersed these days. Right. So it's like an average person today is as famous technically, or has as much influence as a celebrity from the 20s. Sure. So it just makes sense that now there's so much more room for monetization and getting in front of people. I, I mean, I can believe it because I, I look at, you, you touched on recruiting announcements earlier and the fact that, you know, these are live stream now, uh, you know, and you can sit down at a table with your parents behind you and your brother and sister next to you and your high school coach behind you and you pick, you know, one of the four hats and you put it on. Yeah. Um, that's streamed. You could do that in Sacramento, California, and I can watch it live in Warwick, Rhode Island. Yeah. Um, you know, and I can send you a DM on Twitter and get you on the phone three minutes later. Yeah. I couldn't do that in 1920 yeah. or in 1970 or in 2000. Exactly. For that matter. Um, you know, and now I can. Mm. So the, the world is just so much smaller than it was from that standpoint. Really? Yeah. Uh, you can reach so many more people than you could at that time. Um, you know, and... As a result, you can influence people yeah. in that way. Uh, and, and if you have a certain profile or you are working, playing in a certain market, there is a certain value to that. Yeah, today, if you have influence, you have income. It, you yes. can monetize influence more so today than ever before. No question. Yeah. Um, the kind of one of the last things I wanted to talk about was uh, like the small guys. How are these smaller schools going to compete? So, you know. Um, are, are these deals getting done? We read about the big ones, but are kids who are signing mid-level D1 contracts or Division two, Division three contracts going to get paid on this stuff? Are there the, eh, we'll give you 20 grand to come here versus Bryant or whatever it might be? Sure. I, I think, you know, if you look at a school like Bryant, let's say, um, you know, Bryant, realistically, you can get paid at Bryant because you're playing. Yeah. If you go to a place like Kentucky, USC, there's no guarantee you're going to play. Exactly. So what sort of platform do you have? What sort of exposure yeah. do you have if you're the 11th man on Kentucky's basketball team? Mm-hmm. Not as much as if you're the superstar at Bryant like Peter Kiss was last year and you lead the nation in scoring and you emerge as like the ultimate villain yeah. in the Northeast Conference Championship game 
and you go to Dayton for the first four, and your name is out there for the you know three or four days in a row yeah. leading up to that game. You don't get that exposure if you're the twelfth man at Tennessee. Yep. Going back to the like small micro influencer, you got to sell steak and cheeses in Providence just as much as you do in Kentucky. That's right. You know, you know, you could go to Omiville and be like, <laughs> "Hey, I'm Peter Kiss." I got clout you around know, here. Going to Jay's Deli yeah. in Smithfield, which I love, by the yeah, way. Good, uh, good spot. Yeah, that's why I'm a fat, fat man. I eat <laughs> like this. Um, but you go to a place like Jay's Deli. Like, hey, you know, I'm Peter Kiss. I'm the stud at Bryant. Want to give me free sandwiches here's for a week? My, like here's it, my Instagram. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Here's my Instagram. You know, here's my Twitter account. Um, you know, so a, a place like St. Peter's last mm. year, which ends up in the Elite Eight. Uh, I remember being in Chicago with the Friars, and, and that Monday I'd read a story in the New York Times that said the previous four days for St. Peter's, the round of 64 and the round of 32, mm-hmm. they had received the equivalent of $80 million in marketing spending. Unbelievable. Through their exposure, yeah. playing Kentucky and then playing their second game. The amount that their school was on national TV, spoken about on the radio, spoken about on ESPN and, and other sports networks, was the equivalent of about $80 million in advertising buys. Yeah, The school's endowment is $37 million. They don't have any money. No. They play in an old gym with wooden bleachers. Yeah. That's exposure that they quite literally could not buy. Yeah, And if you're the best player at St. Peter's, you could monetize that. If you're the 10th player at the University of Rhode Island, you cannot monetize that. You're not playing. Yeah. You don't have the platform. Yep. So there will be room still for these smaller schools if they continue to have access to the NCAA tournament. Yeah. If ultimately they don't limit the NCAA tournament to this exclusive Power Fives plus Big East, only big market brands can play. Nobody wants to see that, No. for the record. No. Is um, that what they're throwing around right now? You just assume that based on the greed of, of the big schools that they might try to get to that at some point. You really hope they don't. Yeah. Um, you know, because part of the the magic of the tournament is the little guy beating the big guy. It's the, always the highlight. It's, it's the best. Yep. Um, you know, part of the magic of the college football playoff, which is going to be put in and expanded to 12 teams, is Appalachian State playing Alabama. Yep. You know, Boise State playing Oklahoma in the Fiesta Bowl. Let's see if it can happen. And Boise State wins on a Statue of Liberty play. And you're like, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah, they really could have played with this team all year. Yeah. You know, so you do need to still, you need to be on the field, on the court. You still need to play to build that platform. And if that means that you step down to a mid-major or a low major to do it, so be it. It's not always going to be the big schools who are generating all of the revenue yeah. for said players. And, and you could be, you know, you could be a star player in a small town. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, college, I mean, men's division one college basketball has 360 teams. Yeah. Uh, you know, you could be a star player at Vermont. Yeah. In, in, in Burlington. Yeah. And that, that you've totally swayed. You're me the because, program. Yeah. Because I, I, I really, but when we came into this conversation, um, you know, I'm still learning on the fly on this stuff, but I, I thought instinctively that because these big schools have the big budgets, they'll buy all the best players. Right. But the fact is there's a shitload of players. Well, they, and they can buy all the best players when they're freshmen. Yes, exactly. But after that first year, the player might say, I'm not playing. Yep. I'm not playing. I'm not getting exposure. I want, yep. I'm not necessarily getting the opportunity that I thought I would. I'm not happy. Yeah. I want to go to a place where I can play. Yeah. And if that means stepping down mm-hmm. and being the big fish small pond, fine. You, you do it. And some of those kids are really, 
really good. And really good. Gonna, and they're going to go somewhere, and they're going to get paid, and they're going to play, and they're going to have a better opportunity that way. And you, this could be the one thing that just they needed to, to make that move. You, you look at the worst player, you know, the worst player at Providence, yeah. let's say. You take that men's basketball player, and you put him at Long Island yeah. or at Wagner. Mm-hmm. That guy's a pretty good player. Yeah. He's going to play a lot for them. Yeah. He might not necessarily play at Villanova, mm-hmm. but he's going to play a lot at Wagner. Yeah. And he could be a star at Wagner. Yeah. Um, you know, guys develop at different paces. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, the women do as well. Uh, I mean, you could have a late bloomer who all of a sudden in college, it's like, whoa. Yeah. They weren't recruited in a certain spot, but now they're comfortable here and they're a star here. They're at Vermont or at Lehigh or at Davidson. Yeah. And they are the number one figure yep. in that market. I, I wonder from your perspective as a marketing firm, if, if you look at, and, and Providence is, is probably a good example because it's not a pro market, mm-hmm. but it is a sports market. Yep. Um, you know, it's a Boston adjacent market yep. where it's, you know, the major four there. Um, but as a marketing consulting firm, would you look to deal directly with players? Would you start soliciting players if you saw value in a certain player like Nate Watson who has a million TikTok followers and yeah. is a star player on that team? who isn't necessarily going to get a huge endorsement deal from a huge market like Los Angeles or New York or whatever else. Yeah. Would you seek out players? Would you seek out their advisors? Mm-hmm. Um, would you say, hey, look, you don't need to make these phone calls on your own. Yeah. We'll take 3 to 5% or whatever it is and do it for you. Exactly. All you have to do is show up, sign, and then show up to your appointments, and, and we're good. Like, yeah. how, how, do you feel like how do you feel like it works in that space going forward? I think that you're either going to... The people, basically, there are agencies already that rep these that rep professional players, and mm-hmm. I think it's a natural. It makes a ton of sense to just make the move and just rep the college players. Um, so that right there, I think that is probably how the majority of it's going to happen. So like a CAA but or Wasserman or something like that. They're going to take over the majority of the market share. But even you saw Barstool Sports do something. I think they signed fifteen thousand players overnight or yeah. something. They put it in. It's small, small stuff. But I think that's the direction that this is headed. But what I do really like is it just opened up um, an entire new avenue of gaining, like of of using, uh, what what's it called? Um, there's a there's a term for them. It's escaping me earlier. But basically, there are these websites out there that connect you to influencers, micro influencers, um, and you can just okay. I'm selling a bikini. I can go on this website. I can type in swimsuit models, and then here is everyone that has between fifteen thousand followers and twenty five thousand followers. Here's all their names, their contact information, and whatever. Now there's a whole new access to athletes. If I want to sell sports product or whatever it might be, here are all the athletes. Here's their social media followers. Here's their either their direct number or their agent's number or whatever it is. Right. So whenever possible, I would rather go right to the source, right to the kid and talk to him and say, hey, can we work something out so we don't have to go through you know, your agent or whatever it is? Right. A lot of them won't have that. And I think it's going to be a good opportunity for marketing companies like us to leverage that with to help our clients um, and vice versa. You know, Providence is, is partnered with Open Doors, which yeah. which is you know sort of at the forefront in the college space on this. It, it's very individualistic. It, you know, the school will set up an, a blanket account for you on Open Doors, and um, you know you can take bookings yeah. through them. And uh, what is Open Doors? Um, it's Open Doors is is quite literally open endorsement. Yep. Um, you know, it's just a link on. The website, mm-hmm. you know, the athletics website, you can go down the roster and each player would have Twitter account, Instagram account, open doors account. Yep. 
you go on open doors and you can get Jared Bynum to come to your birthday party. Yeah. For whatever it costs. Yeah. Um, you know, but that sort of, I think I look at that and I think that's sort of passive marketing. Mm-hmm. It's sort of there, but they're not necessarily soliciting yeah. gigs. They don't have, the school is working for them in the sense that they've set up yeah. an avenue to them, but they're not necessarily promoting them. Yeah. In a an agency way. like us could come in and say, hey, yes. we have all, we have 150 clients. We want you to rep 75 of them or whatever and make those calls for you. We'll make the calls for you. Yeah, exactly. That's a good point. You I, know, we'll send the emails for you. Yeah. Um, we want 5% of whatever you get, but we'll put you in contact with clients we already have in this space, Yeah, in sporting goods, in athletics, in, you know, nightlife, whatever it may be. Yeah. I see what you're saying now, like a hired sales gun, basically. Right. That's a really good idea. Yeah. I, I, I can imagine. I don't know how that's going to work out. You know, I'd be that's happy. Really and, and I think like, you know, you, you go to the agency point and you're looking at places like CAA or Wasserman or, or, um, you know, Rock Nation, uh, they're going to go after the big athletes. Yeah. You know, the five-star recruits, the guys like Zion Williams. And they're the, taking stuff. The in. women like Paige Beckers. Yep. Um, but they're not necessarily going to service no. the mid-market client, the Providence kid, the Burlington, Vermont Who have kid. to go out and solicit yes. to get deals versus the other way around. I see. Yeah, that's a really good point. But they could, you know, if you're in Bangor, Maine, and you're at UMaine, you know, if, if UMaine hockey is good in a given year, if they're in the top 10 in a given yeah. year, that's like the pro team there. Yeah. You could monetize a kid in Bangor, Maine. You could help them monetize themselves yeah. in that way. But if they call Wasserman or CAA, they'll be like, yeah, sorry, kid. Sorry, we only do basketball players from New York. Yeah. Like we're, we're not, we're not worried about you. Yeah. You know, you're, you're a 5% of 2,500. We don't really care. Mm-hmm. But if you're some sort of marketing firm, consulting firm that is a little smaller, mm-hmm. a little more boutique, might care a little more about individual accounts, might need those yeah. more, frankly. Um, that might be an athlete that you seek out yeah. and say, hey, look, we want to work with you. Yeah. And if you end up getting drafted in the NHL, remember that we had you <laughs> yeah, in yeah, college. Exactly. And when you sign that $50 million deal, remember that we were doing your image rights. Yeah, maybe you can when, walk us into When you were 18. Yeah, deducted rate. Yeah, yeah like exactly. we want a 10-year deal. Yeah. Exclusive. That's a brilliant idea. You know, and like it's, it's going to be sort of like – you know, it will be like sort of crowdsourcing, sort of like, uh, you know, just investing like someone like Alexis Ohanian does. Yeah. Uh, you know, where he buys like a 3% stake in 100 companies. Yep. And if one of them ends up being traded publicly, he makes, you know, whatever he makes. Makes it all back. Makes yep. it all back. Yeah. You yeah, know, yeah. it's it's worth like, it's like playing Keno for him. He yep. doesn't really care. Yeah. You know, he's a multi, multi, multi millionaire married to Serena Williams. It, like he's got plenty. Yeah. Um, you know, but he's, he's investing in like, you know, how, however many companies, Yeah, well, know, that's how the, that's how they'll give you 20 grand in seed money and say, here, give it a try. Yeah. I can do that 50 times. And if I hit on one, it pays for itself. Pays for everything. Yep. Yeah. So I could see like, you know, you're sort of prospecting for athletes yeah. in that way. And, and I think Providence is unique in that way because it has enough market share, um, in terms of college sports mm-hmm. where you know who these people are some of them, and they could be, you know, names here that mm-hmm. could carry a brand, uh, but they're not necessarily going to get the interest that they would get in a Boston, in a New York, in a Philadelphia, yep. you know, major cities that are close to us. Yeah. Well, I think the one thing for sure, that's for sure, is this stuff is going to change 
quick and often over the next couple of years while it sorts yeah, itself out. Sure is. Um, but I think it's it's good for sports. I think it's good to just have something change. I, I think it's going to be interesting to watch. And uh, yeah, I mean, do you have any anything else? I think that's it for me. Anything else you want to talk about or anything you want to plug or promote? No, I, I would just say generally um, in terms of NIL, the, the purest form, the way it was intended, I think it's a great idea. Yeah. I, I think you should get paid what you're worth. Um, you know, and I, I genuinely think that you know, kids have made universities a lot of money over the years, um, and, and it's right that they share in it. Uh, I understand that the cost of going to college is a lot now and that a scholarship is a wonderful thing, and, and I don't take that for granted. Um, you know, and I have friends who have student loans who could verify that yeah. they, they, if they did have a scholarship, it, their lives would be a lot easier right now. Um, you know, but if you are participating in a sport that is generating revenue, um, you know, that is able to buttress your university's budget. Yeah. Uh, I think that you should partake in that. I, th I think it's only right that you do. Um, you know, and like you, I, I'm very interested to see where this goes, how they resolve some of these things. Uh, you know, ultimately, if they're able to streamline this in a certain way that, that is more fair and more equitable, yeah. um, I think we're a lot closer to the beginning than we are to the end uh, on this. Um, you know, I think this is sort of like a flood yeah. at this point and, and I think eventually it'll slow down a little bit and sort of yep. come like this and, and get a little more streamlined a little bit, yeah. uh, but for right now it, it's a fire hose yeah. essentially that's that's going everywhere yeah um, you know but it's it's a fascinating topic and, and I think it's you know it's really interesting for me to sit down and get like the business perspective of it because I deal with the athletes and with the coaches and I know how it affects how they run their programs yeah but I've never been an endorser. I've never been somebody who's been sought out by a brand who said, hey, we want to work with you for, for X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Um, and I think it's fascinating from that side to have the discussion and get some insight into that. I'm excited to bring you back sometime over the next year or two and so we can kind of talk about how things have changed. And, and I'm going to be on the lookout to see how are some of these local influencers utilizing the nil stuff and see if i see see if there are any fun stories out there because i know there will be yeah for sure yeah. um but generally no you you can read me at uh, providencejournal.com providencejournal.com uh you can follow me on twitter at bill koch 25 koch uh you know you can see my stuff there um, great follow on twitter i appreciate that yeah. Uh, generally, I do college basketball, uh, the Red Sox, uh, you know, local high school stuff here. Um, my value to the journal is that I'm born and raised in Warwick. I grew up here. I know people here. Um, they're willing to talk to me. Yeah. Uh, you know, I have a historical perspective on high schools, colleges, things that have happened here. Um, you know, and my value to the paper is that I can do a little bit of everything for them. Yeah. I'm not a specialist in a certain way. I could do a high school cross country meet one day and I could do a world series game the next day. It's not a big deal for me at this point in my career. I can, you know, separate. I can attest to that. And go to BK knows something about everything He's related to kind. sports. Every He's time we have conversations about sports, I immediately realize how in over my head I am because this guy knows <laughs> everything. So That's highly cool. recommend check him out on Twitter, give him a follow, read his columns. Um, thank you, man. I really appreciate Thanks, it. Thanks, Cash. Anytime.